Once again, I just want to welcome everybody here this morning. My name's Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here, and I'm going to be speaking this morning. And we've been doing, uh, into the new year here, a series called Foundations, which is taking a look at really the foundations of the Christian faith and also sort of the foundations of things that we value here in, our, in this local church called The Meeting Place. And so we've been going through various things, um, really, from throughout the New Testament. And last week, we took a look at what do we mean by church, and we were able to see that Lots of us have lots of different opinions and views on church, but when we look at God's Word, we can see that we're the people of God, that we're the family of God, that we're the house of God. We're now the place where God dwells individually and corporately. We realize that there's a worldwide church, and this week I'm going to be traveling. I'm heading off to the UK on Wednesday, and I'm going to be visiting a few different churches there. So next Sunday, I'll be speaking a couple times at a church in Leeds, and then I'll be in meetings with Jeremy Simpkins, and who's going to be with us in April, and other church leaders. So we're part of a worldwide church, even in our family of churches. And then there's us here as a local church. And so we just realize the magnitude of God's plan for church, and really it's the vehicle for bringing about His kingdom, the rule and reign of God. And so we're going to continue, and we're going to look at, as we kind of get a big picture view last week of what church is, we're going to bring it down into some really applicable things uh, over the next couple of weeks, actually, that we're going to be taking a look at. And so sort of answering the question, what I get asked a lot in helping to lead a church is, how do you know what church to be a part of? And so we're going to look at some from New Testament, some um, helpful sort of hints of things that you should see in church life. And we have to sort of preface it with saying, you know what, here uh, in our day and age, there's no such thing as a perfect church, okay? And uh, if there is, and you probably go, you might ruin it, okay? So I'm just being honest with you. I'm part of this church, so that disqualifies it from being a perfect church already. So even though as we become Christians, we're saved and we're forgiven and we're healed up and restored, sometimes we still sin and that brings consequences. Sometimes we, there's miscommunication, there's misunderstanding. Sometimes we have different issues over doctrine and theology and values and all those different things. And as we talked about last week, we've got to learn how to figure those things out within the context of being a family. And we also see in the New Testament there wasn't a perfect church there either, that they had different things take place as you go through. And sometimes I think we can kind of have this sort of idealized uh, you know, hindsight of looking back and when we go through New Testament church that it was a perfect church. It wasn't, okay? They had lots of issues as well. However, there are patterns and things that we can learn from a lot of the different types of models that we see of churches in the New Testament. And so we're going to take a peek at one of those today in the early church, and there are things that we can learn from these models, from these different patterns that we should look at, and we've got to ask ourselves, are we doing these sorts of things, believing these things, applying these things in our day, in our time? So individually, but also together as a local church. So that's what we're going to look at, Jesus building his church, and we're going to talk about what type of church is Jesus building. Here in Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick it up just a really short uh, sample of one aspect of church life, and this is after Peter had preached, um, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out at Pentecost, and 3,000 um, were saved and at it, and this is the first things they began to do. Okay, so let's read it together. And they, so that's the disciples, and now these new believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, woof! Man, if we can just even begin to uh, capture some of that, we'd be doing well in our day and in our time. So one of the first things we're going to take a look at, so again, we're going to look at these things today. We're going to look at two or three things. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at more of these things. So we can't fit it all in today. But here's one of the things they devote themselves to right away and that we need to look at for our foundations as well. They were devoted to the Word of God, the Bible. And so we now have both Old Testament and New Testament. They were devoted to God's Word. And that's a huge thing. And whatever church you're in, and hopefully you'll find that here at the Meeting Place Church, the Bible should be central to everything that takes place in church life and in our daily lives. Because the Bible, the Word of God, is the primary way that God speaks to us. So we talk about how God reveals himself to us. In Revelation, we talk about sometimes that's in nature, and obviously through his son Jesus. But how do we even know about Jesus? Not, it's through his Word. And so the Word of God has to be central. If we're missing that, where I think we're way off base. Because with the Word of God, God reveals Himself in written form to us. So we can learn about who God is. We can learn about His nature. We can learn about His character. We can learn about God's attributes. We can learn about God's plans, God's purposes. We can learn about us. We can learn about such things as why we're created. What's our purpose in life? We can learn things about sin and how do we have evil in the world and what about suffering and all these different things that we have big questions to. We can learn about the past. We can learn about the present. We can learn about the future. And the biggest thing we find from God's Word is we learn about the plan of salvation. We learn about Jesus. We learn about who Jesus was. We learn about what Jesus did. We learn about what Jesus is doing now. We learn about what Jesus is going to do in the future and how all of those things can affect our lives. The Bible is foundational. We have to make sure we're a people that are devoted to the Word of God. Let me read a scripture to you. Okay, This is from 2 Timothy 3. Paul's writing to Timothy. And he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, for them the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the Bible's foundational. That's what God uses to bring us to salvation. It says it makes us wise unto salvation. It makes us realize that we have a problem with sin. It makes us realize how Jesus was sent as our Savior. It makes sense of the Old Testament, and we can see how Adam and Eve and sin and God's plan to get a people back for himself, and we can understand about Abraham, we can understand about Joseph, about Moses, we can understand the Exodus, okay? we can understand Judges, we can understand what the law being given, the Ten Commandments, we can understand about David and temples, all these different things, sacrifices, because we now, through New Testament eyes, see these things through Jesus Christ, how? Through the Word of God. So the Bible is foundational. Okay? The other thing is, we realize that the Bible is God-inspired. And we don't have time to do justice to this today, but just to say 
as Jesus, a miracle, fully God, fully human, the Bible, fully inspired by God, God breathed, God inspired, yet written out by humans as well. So it's 100% God, 100% human. And again, we have to realize God, the author behind it all. When you think of the Bible, written over 1,500 years, okay, from Old New Testament, over 1,500 years putting it together in three different languages with over 40 authors, okay, and the Bible contains poems, it contains history, it contains narratives, it contains instructions, it contains genealogies, all put together, and we can see a flow from beginning to end that only God could do. So you try to write a novel over 1,500 years with three different, in three different languages with 40 different authors and try to have it cohesive and include all those different things in it. Good luck. So we have to make sure, and again, we don't have time to sort of do the apologetics for it, but you have to make sure maybe you're, at, you know, you're trying to figure things out from the Bible. You have to understand, okay, there's good foundation for believing that the Bible's true. So the Bible isn't just something written by some old guy a couple thousand years ago, okay, that we believe and we're foolish to believe it. Okay, no, that's what your viewpoint is. We've got to talk some more because we can be very clear. I understand. We can trust the Bible. And when we believe the Bible... We're believing God. When we read the Bible, we believe that's God speaking to us. Okay? The other thing we have to understand about the Bible is it's all about relationships. So God reveals himself to us. We can, we can know him. And that begins the relationship part of it. Okay? The Bible isn't just given as a history book or a book of facts or even a good read. Okay? The Bible is there to bring us to a relationship with the one who wrote the Bible. And that's so key. So the Bible is foundational to our belief, but we have to remember, we don't worship the Bible, we worship the God who wrote the Bible. And that's, that's very vital. Because sometimes we can get so worshipping the Bible that we miss out, okay, on the one who actually wrote the Bible. That we're in a relationship that's living and active. And we realize that. And Jesus said this, this is a good one just to remember from John chapter 5 verse 37 to 40. Just to kind of prove my point. Jesus said this to the Pharisees who knew the Old Testament in and out, and yet they missed the whole thing about a relationship with God. Jesus said, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice, he's saying this to the Pharisees, You have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, that's the scriptures, that bear witness about me, Jesus, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So we've got to remember that. The Bible always brings us to Jesus, who is living today, who gives life. And as we see when we put our faith in Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, who then is our helper and our teacher to help us understand the scriptures. You follow me on that? We need the scriptures to get to God. But then God helps us to understand the scriptures so that we can know him more. And we don't want to become like the Pharisees who thought they knew the word of God, but they missed the whole point. They didn't have a living relationship with Jesus whom the Father has sent. So we have to understand, it's a revelation. The Bible is how God speaks to us. He reveals to us. But it's also about relationship. Is that we get to know God and through his son, we get to know even more of God. So we get to understand more of who God is. It's a living 
relationship. And as we keep reading His Word, the Holy Spirit instructs us. He teaches us. He corrects us. He rebukes us. Okay? He enlightens us. He reveals things to us. The Holy Spirit is so key when we come to reading the Word. So all the time in our prayer time, as we sit down to read the Word, we're saying, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you bring instruction? Would you bring teaching? Would you bring life? Would you reveal more about who God is, about His purposes, His plans, so I can understand and know and follow God even more, both with my mind and with my heart, just as we were singing about this morning. Okay? So it's really key. The other thing we have to understand is we have to be submitted to the authority of the Word of God. So the Bible is so key because it's our standard for truth. And so in our world that's very postmodern and it's very whatever you believe is good for you and not for me and our standards and we can rationalize everything, when we become Christians, we submit ourselves to the authority of the Word of God. That's a big deal because we don't like submitting to anything (laughs) in our flesh. And when we become Christians, we submit ourselves to believe this is God's words and they trump everything else. So this is a real big one for us as we become disciples and followers of Jesus. Jesus taught and obeyed the word of God. So Jesus always, he referred so many times to the Old Testament, which proved the Old Testament. And then we see Peter and John and Paul that anointed by the Holy Spirit to write about Jesus and what he did and who he was and how we're to follow him and live that out. And Jesus always quoted, which is amazing as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus always quoted and referred back to the strangest and most difficult things to believe in the Old Testament. Jesus said they were true. So was Jonah in a whale or not? And people are like, well, that was just an allegory. That was just Jesus talked about Jonah being in a whale. You're like, oh, Jesus, if you had just not talked about that, then we'd be okay. And Jesus always referred back to the most difficult things which make you go, either it's all true or none of it's true. And so we have some choices to make when we come to the Word of God. Do we, even though we might not understand everything, okay, and we can, by all means, you've got to wrestle through things. I'm not just saying check your brains at the door. But at the end of the day, as Marley was just saying, sometimes say, I don't quite understand it, but what I do understand, I submit myself to it, and I'm going to keep learning. The Bible is our standard for truth. We test everything to the Word of God. It stands alone. We don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away from it. So we make decisions in our lives and choices. We come back to the Word, and we're like, how does this line up with the Word of God? Okay? Even in our church service and that, everything we do, even in the prophetic words that are given, do we say, does that line up with the Word of God? When someone comes to me and says, Joe, you know, I feel like I've heard from God, and they share it, does it line up with the Word of God? Because the Word of God trumps our emotions, our feelings, the fads that are in this world, what the world might tell you. The Word of God trumps those things. We have to have that as foundational in our lives. So the world say, hey, you can do this, and it might even be legal, but the Bible says we're not going to do that. So we bring everything in our lives under submission to the Word of God because we believe that's God speaking for us, and we believe that God's a good Father. He's provided good boundaries for us, and if we obey Him, that's going to bless us, and it's going to honor Him. And again, we don't have time to get into today, but you've got to consider, okay? everything about your life, and you've got to find out what does the Word of God say about it. So in our relationships, in our marriage, what does the Word of God say? And do I line up with that? In parenting, what does the Word of God say? We talked about it a couple weeks ago in the kingdom of God as an employer, as an employee. What does the Word of God 
say? How does it affect integrity? How does it affect telling the truth? How does it affect giving? And how do we use money? All those different things. We bring ourselves under the authority of God's word. The other thing God's word does, it's a safeguard for us. Because sometimes we can go to two extremes, okay? Sometimes we can go one extreme is that we can get isolated and we can just think, well, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm just on my own now and it's just me and Jesus and I'll figure things out and we come to the word of God and we don't listen to anything else and it's just me and Jesus. And part of that's good, but part of that's bad as well. Because you could get off track and not even know it. You've got to give yourself to a wider body of truth and just realize it's not just me and my interpretation. Okay, You've got to understand what does our church history say about this? What do others say about this? At the same time, Okay, the other danger is you can just believe anything anybody tells you and you never take ownership to figure it out some for yourself. Okay, so sometimes, and as I say here, okay, don't just sit, believe it because I say it. You've got to check it out yourself. What does the Word of God say? Does the witness of the Holy Spirit line up? What do other Christians in church history who have wrestled through some of these things, where do they land on it? And that takes some work on our part. Okay, so it's both. We take Ownership to say, I'm going to research and I'm going to study and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to pray and I'm going to learn. I'm going to take responsibility to feed myself. At the same time, I'm going to learn knowing that God speaks through others to teach me from his word as well. Okay, Both of those are really key. And that leads us to our next point. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Okay, And certainly we can say that now, that we can say the apostles' teaching is what we have recorded in Scripture. So what I'm about to say talking about local church, is that we don't write scripture today. So let me just be clear on that. So we as elders are not going to be writing scripture to add on to what is already written. However, God has provided in local churches apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and elders to come and bring teaching and explanation and clarity and understanding and correcting and rebuking from God's word so that as a body, we hopefully are going to be growing and healthy and learning and maturing so that we're doing that and we can then teach others as well. So God provides people to the body who help bring teaching and understanding and clarity to the Word of God. And we need to receive that. That's why it's great to be part of a body of Christ to a local church is that you can be fed the Word of God, that you bring some boundaries in order to say these things. So some of the things we do here just locally Obviously, we bring teaching, and you can tell hopefully the Word of God is central because it's one of the biggest aspects of our main meeting together. So when we meet, um, I think pretty much every Sunday for the past, whatever, 15 years, almost every Sunday we've brought teaching from the Word of God because we believe the Bible is central. Okay? We go in our life groups and our small groups that meet throughout the week, the Bible central because we want you to be able to wrestle it through, understand it, apply it, and so in your small groups that meet every week, bringing the Bible in as one of the key aspects, cornerstones of your meeting together is important because you need to learn how to apply it. And we, as leaders, teach, but also we try to model these things in our life. Not just the outworking of it, but we try to model how to learn, how to study the Bible as well. And so we try to learn and try to teach, sorry, and hopefully help you learn how to learn things about exegesis, that is, I'm going to take a look at the Word of God, and I'm going to learn first what it meant when it was written. So I'm going to learn about the history, the context of what's going on. I'm going to learn about who the author was. I'm going to learn about who 
was the recipient of hearing this. I'm going to learn, is this a poem? Is this history? Is this a narrative? Okay, is this a letter to somebody? You've got to understand the context for what's going on. We're trying to understand and say, Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Would you show us? What does it mean when it was first written? That's what we try to learn first. And the second part of that, so these are just some big names, but just so exegesis, you're just trying to understand what the Bible says to the original reader in that time. And then the second part of that, which we're going to get to in the contextualized, is the hermeneutics of it, is how do we then understand from the exegesis what does that mean for us today? How, do, how does the Bible speak to us today? How does that apply in our day and in our time? And that's what we try to do a lot on Sundays is bringing teaching to the exegesis of it. This is what was going on. This is what was taking place. And then how does that apply in our day and in our time? And how do we apply that to our lives so that we're obedient to the Word of God as well? And those are some tricky things sometimes. And we have to bring teaching and learning and understanding. And sometimes, as we're going to do a lot, sometimes you can say, some Christians believe it, interpret it this way. Some Christians interpret it that way. We're not enemies with one another. But for this, in this local church, this is where we're landing on some things. Because at the end of the day, sometimes we've got to make decisions because it affects things and we've got to move forward. And that's where we want to be clear to help bring an understanding that we don't have to be enemies of each other. Now, there are some major doctrinal things, as we talked about before, that are closed-handed that we get into heresy and in that if we don't believe them. But a lot of things are open-handed, okay? There might be two or three interpretations of how that is applied to our day. And we've got to be able to say, we, 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 in a good conscience, researching it through with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to land here and we're going to move that forward. And then we have some decisions to make. Are we comfortable to be a part of church that lands on some of these areas? Okay, And that's just being able to work it out in relationship. And we're quite upfront to say, hey, we know some Christians believe this, some Christians believe that. Here's where we are so you know how things work and operate. Okay, that's the contextualization. How does it apply Fredericton 2012 in everyday life? And we want to equip people. Okay, we want to equip people to understand, to obey, because it's one thing to know the Bible and to be able to quote the Bible, and I can give you the right answer from the Bible, it's another thing to actually obey the Bible. And many people can quote the Bible, they can, if they were to do a, a test on it, they would pass and everything, but actually the question at the end of the day is, does my life line up with what the Word of God says? And that's what we want to get to. We don't want to just know the Bible as some other book that we can quote and give facts from. We want to be able to say we're obeying the Bible because the Bible reveals to us God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, who we're in relationship with, that we want to honor and we want to please. So the Bible central. We want to honor it. We want to love it. We want to encourage reading it. We want to encourage a love for it. We want to meditate on things. We've got to wrestle through things. We've got to put some time and energy. We need the help of the Holy Spirit in all of those things. We need to help one another in these things. And we need to be able to, as we walk that out in our lives, be able to help others and share that with others. And so for us right now as a family, that's what we're trying to do with our kids. That's our stage of life. We're now taking our devotion to the Word of God and we're trying to share it and we're trying to put good understanding into our 
kids. So wherever your situation is, maybe it's with your coworkers, maybe you're in a Bible study, you're helping people understand, you want to be able to learn to feed yourself so that you can feed others. And we want to help equip you to do that. All right? That's exciting. We love the Word of God. We love the Word of God. It has to be central to our lives. Another thing they were devoted to, not only the Word of God, they were devoted to community. And I find just those five verses one of the most thrilling, exciting, okay, envisioning verses in the Bible that we just read out Acts 2, 42 to 47. I also find it one of the most challenging, scary okay, verses in the Bible as well because it's trying to understand what does that look like in 2012, when our culture is very individualistic, selfish, somewhat, I put my fence up, I just want my territory, all those things. How do we try to live this out in our day and in our time? And we can see, first thing is, they were devoted, okay? There's a decision to be devoted. And I think one of the things that maybe made it easier back in the book of Acts is, most people, when they became Christians, they had to leave a community in order to be part of a new community. And folks, whether you realize it or not, part of being a Christian is, and you've got to hear me on this one, okay? You might not change your geography, okay? But in a headspace, in a value system, in a priority sort of world, you were giving something up that you were involved in to become part of a new community, a new fellowship, a new friendship. So your priorities change. Now, I'm not saying you leave everything necessarily and you just become what we call a holy huddle, that you leave everything and you move out, okay, and you live on your own with a bunch of other Christians and you wait till Jesus returns. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in your head and in your heart, okay, some of the things that you live for and were your values and that were a priority change that now you're committed and devoted to the community of believers. That as we've talked about all the different radical changes that take place when you become a Christian and now you're in Christ, and that's why it's so important to understand who you are as a Christian, we leave some of our tendencies and our first things that we would maybe grow up with in our world and our value system, we leave those things behind that would be more what works best for me And we have to leave them behind to now change to realize I'm in this now together. So I might have been flying solo before. Now, that's not an option for me. Now I'm committed to others around me. And we talked about that last week about family. You're born into a family. And guess what? Many of you who have been born again, Christian here, you're stuck with us, okay? You have to take it up with God. But This is where God's placed you, and you're stuck with us. And the amazing thing, God, God puts together, all kinds of different types of people together. He puts introverts and extroverts. He puts black and white. He puts French and English. He puts male and female, young, old. You can go through all the different things. And he puts us together into a family. And my idea of a perfect church is, for the most part, and Sally and I laugh in the office all the time because we're more on the administrative side, 
is wouldn't things all be better if everybody was just more like me? (laughs) And very quickly, you realize, and this is the challenging part, when you're devoted to community and you're devoted to fellowship, God has a way of putting you with people who are not like you. And what are you going to do about it? And that's the challenge. And again, we can read this from Acts 5. Oh man, if the church was just like that, I'd be a part of a church like that. The challenge is, can we be a church like that? And I think with baby steps, we're always trying. And I just put down for us, it really comes down to this. There's two sort of issues that go together. There are heart issues. Okay? We learn this very, on. you can't legislate these things. So we can't bring in a bunch of rules and say, you must go to a small group every week. Because okay? that's what it is to be a Christian. You must go to Sunday morning. You must go to a prayer meeting. And we will come to your house and we will steal your money or we will beat you up if you don't. Okay? It's, a heart, it's a heart thing. It always starts with the heart. Okay? If God doesn't change your heart, then a lot of things we're going to talk about are just going through the motions, jumping through hoops, okay? and we can miss it. So the first thing, if we don't have the heart issue and God doesn't change our heart and it's an ongoing process, that's that sanctification. We become more like Jesus. But if God isn't moving our heart, then everything I'm about to say is really, really, it's hard enough even when God changes your heart, let alone if he doesn't. So God has to do a heart change that, okay, I used to be like this. Now God's changing me more like Jesus. So more like this. And now we can sympathize with Jesus when he put those 12 guys together with them and they didn't get along and they are all from different backgrounds. Okay? And at least they were all from the same people group. Okay? And they were with Jesus. And they fought and they fell short and they argued and they missed it and all those different things. That gives me great encouragement for myself. Okay? That we together can learn but it starts with a changed heart. Okay? If we become a Christian, but yet we're still, okay? And some of it I understand because we're all learning, so we have to get healed up and there's trust issues and all those things. But that's being willing for God to change your heart so that then you can become part of a body that you get to give your gifts that God's given to you. Spiritual gifts are given for the common good. So God's not going to give you gifts if you're just on your own, okay? They'll never get used. You'll never discover them. You'll never develop them. You'll never bless other people. You won't receive. Okay, if you're not connected with other people, the encouragement that comes from being with others. So every Sunday I'm encouraged when we come together. Some Sundays I feel like I got more to bring. Some Sundays I feel like I got nothing. But God always speaks through his people and it builds us up and it edifies and it strengthens and it encourages. And some Sunday mornings you think, I don't want to be there this morning. And every Sunday I leave I say, I'm so glad I came this morning. And that's why we need each other and the fruit of the spirit gets worked out in our lives as we are together so it's easy to say and this is again you can know the bible and yet miss out fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control i memorized it i got the prize but how does that get worked out in everyday life when I have an opportunity for God as he's changing my heart to become more like Jesus, 
to love someone who is unlovable. Okay? To be faithful. I'm going to commit to something. I'm going to serve. I'm going to exhibit self-control on this. Okay? Those are the things that get worked out in community. And the second part is there's devotion. And then in our day and in our time, we try to facilitate structures, for lack of a better term, you can use the term wineskin, effective processes, whatever term you want to use. But we try to cultivate and facilitate ways in which this devotion can get worked out. So Sunday morning's one of them. Okay, it's a corporate time. We can come together. We can worship God together. Sometimes things happen in our corporate worship that's powerful and it's full of awe and the body contributing and we bring teaching from the eldership with authority to be able to do that. That's an important part of church life, but it's just one aspect. Okay, Our life groups are our small groups that meet throughout the week. We're trying to get that from home to home. How do we meet together? We can't all do it on a Sunday morning, so we need to be able to find a context that we can share our lives, that we can let our walls down, that we can begin to help other people, that we can begin to receive. We can practice spiritual gifts. We can do stuff in our community. Okay? We do that through our street level with the poor. We do that through with our kids and fuel and kids' church. Those are all working together. And if the heart isn't there, okay, they can be pretty hollow. At the same time, the heart can be willing But sometimes we need some structure to help us live out how do we apply these things to our lives. So that's heart, structure. Do you understand both of those? We need both of them. You need to understand why we do what we do as a church. I just want to mention briefly, okay, because it kind of fit in here. I need to do it anyways. As we've been talking about in our day and in our time, okay, as we talk about family and all those things, we also live in the land of Canada. We're under laws of being an incorporation, which actually is very helpful because it protects us. It protects us in the Canadian Revenue Agency, all that. It protects us as leaders. It protects you as givers as well. And there's certain things that we have to do to line up with Canadian law that, we're, that we want to do. And we've investigated if we didn't have incorporation, which requires membership and directors and treasurer, clerk, secretary, all the things that come with it. We've investigated over the last couple of years. If we didn't do that, so we kind of be freed up from some of those things, what would church look like? And there are many advantages, okay, but there are many scary disadvantages as well. And we realized, you know what? It, for our view, it's, okay, there's more negative consequences if we just tried to not have anything to do with the laws of the land in that sense, okay? It would be very difficult for us. So because we're going to do this, we've realized that the way our current structure is with our bylaws and how we have organized things, there's a difference between how we see Scripture lining up for decision-making in the local church with our bylaws. So we're making changes. And some of you are, in a sense, members, in the legal sense of an incorporation. Okay, this week you're going to receive information of how we're going to change the bylaws, and we're going to have a meeting on March 11th to, to be able to do that. And when you get notice this week, you'll get a written explanation of why we're doing what we're doing. Here's where we are today. Here are the changes we're making, just so everyone's aware. Many of you aren't um, technically members yet, even though you're part of this church. And over the next couple of months, part of what we're doing here on a Sunday morning is educating everybody to understand what we mean by that, how we do things. And so um, over the next couple of months, you'll learn more. And I know we've probably got whew, probably like 880, 200 of you that, in a sense, are 
members as far as we're concerned, but there's a legal part to that that will bring you all on the same page. And as we get to that, you'll have an understanding of whether you can say, I line up with these things or I don't. We just want to make that clear to you. So right now, we're making changes to line up more with the Bible and yet at the same time honor Canadian Revenue Agency, our Companies Act of New Brunswick, and other things that are there for our protection and our good in Canada. Okay, so I just wanted to make you aware of that so when you get, some of you are going to get that information this week, you understand why that's coming and it will make more sense as you read through it. Okay, last thing they're devoted to, we'll make mention. Okay, I skipped over breaking bread because in a couple weeks we're going to do that, a whole one just on a Sunday just on that. Okay, so they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. We'll do that on its own in a couple weeks' time. And lastly, but certainly not least, they devote themselves to prayer. And this is a biggie. And Gary talked about it just before or just after Christmas into the new year. So I'm just going to review a few things with it, but we can't talk about it enough how important prayer is in everyday life and in the life of our church. And again, we come back to Jesus is our model for prayer, both in his example. So if you look at the life of Jesus, he prayed morning, noon, night. He fasted and prayed. He prayed all through the night. He prayed before big decisions. And he kept always saying this line, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what my father wants me to say. And that came out of time spent with God in prayer. And the disciples realized it so much, they said to Jesus, we don't know how to pray. You've got to teach us how to pray. So it must have really stood out to them. And we see that Jesus brought a lot of teaching on prayer. And he taught them the Lord's Prayer, okay, which we'll get to in a minute as really a model for us. Okay, you start with God, you work your way through. Jesus also said some fascinating things about prayer. Okay, he gave examples of one was the persistent widow with an unjust judge. She just kept coming back to the judge, kept coming. And he was like, hey, I don't even believe in God. I'm not even godly, but this woman won't be, leave me alone, so I'm just going to give her what she wants. Right? And you're like, God, like Jesus, what are you talking about? That's one example of prayer. Okay? And he's saying, God's not an unjust God. He's a good father. So you keep on asking and seeking and knocking. Okay? And he talked about, remember the guy who had company come in the middle of the night and he went to his neighbor, asked him for bread, and they said, oh, I'm in bed, leave me alone. He kept coming back, he got that bread. Okay? There's a persistence and an invitation that Jesus says to us that is his example and his teaching. And if you look through the book of Acts, you see that okay, the disciples were pretty dumb when they were with Jesus, but when the Holy Spirit came, amazing things changed. They actually did what Jesus did. And we see the amazing results in the book of Acts. When they prayed, people got saved. When they prayed, miracles happened. When they prayed, people got out of prison. When they prayed, God spoke. And the question is, I think it's very clear in the Bible, even though we don't fully understand it, okay? if we pray, God will act. The bottom line is, do we do this today? Okay? Without guilt, without condemnation, it's just putting it out, it's just putting it out there. In our crazy, fast-paced life, the reality is, okay, and I can say this for myself, and I know I can speak for probably all of us, Okay, with sports highlights, with Facebook, with email, with Twitter, with everything that goes on in this world, prayer always gets pushed out. 
I can most guarantee it for all of us. So it's not a guilt trip. It's just, again, a call back to our priorities. And we have to just keep coming back to it again. Prayer is vital. We can say it, but do our actions line up to show that it's really vital? In our everyday life, in our family, okay, this prayer in our communion with God, seeking God, is, is it there? And again, for us, who has families, okay, is it part of our family life? In our life groups, is prayer a priority in our small groups? And I say life group, that applies to fuel, kids' church, just everything in church life. And at our prayer meetings, okay? When we pray, it shows our dependence upon God. And I say it again, we are the only entity on planet Earth, okay, where prayer is one of the main things that makes us different from any other group, community, organization on planet Earth. It shows our dependence upon God. God, we need you. Okay? We want your will to be done, and we call upon you. And again, in this great mystery of God's sovereignty in our part, somehow we know that when we pray, God acts. And we can be persistent in our prayers. Okay? And sometimes, many times, as with when we read the Bible, when we worship, we don't start out feeling like we want to pray. And it's a self-discipline to be able to say, I know it's the right thing, and I'm going to enter in. And again, many, many, many times when we get done, we're like, man, I'm so glad I started back there even though I didn't want to start. And we have to help bring discipline to our life to be able to do that. And I just want to answer this quickly, and we'll end with this, because many people say, hey, I want to pray, but I don't even know how to pray, as the disciples said to Jesus. And very quickly, the pattern Okay, and again, it's just a pattern, not a formula. It's a pattern. Is we start with knowing who we're praying to. So we start with worship. We start with declaring who God is. We start with truth. We start with reading out scriptures from the Bible. Say, okay, God, you are my strong tower. You're a never-present help in times of trouble. You are the Lord God Almighty. Your word says in Isaiah 40, you never sleep, you never slumber, you never grow weary. We come to you because you're the everlasting God. And you begin to speak out truth and you begin to get your mind off of everything else and your mind on who we're praying to. And we remember that Jesus is our great high priest and we remember all these great truths. And all of a sudden, we're like, okay, now I'm starting to realize what's going on here. We've got to get a big picture of God. We come as sons, we come as daughters. We have access to God. That's what Jesus made possible. So we can deal with guilt and we can deal with condemnation and we can press through those things. And if there's sin we need to confess, we can do that and we can move on. We have an invitation to come before God and to seek God because we're sons and we're daughters. We have access to God. So we don't have to try to do all these different things before we get ready to meet with God. We can come. There's sin to deal with? Yes, absolutely. Okay, But don't feel like you've got to go through all these things. We can come. We can say, Abba, Father. That's grace. That's the mercy of God. And we need to understand that. Okay? And then we start finding some of the promises of God. And we begin to speak those out. Okay? So some of us, we need to find some promises from God, from God's word. Okay? You need to search through and you've got to say, God, you said. And then we bring them before God because that builds our faith. That we know we're praying God's word. Okay? So a lot of times when I pray for you, I'm praying out from the word of God and I'm putting your name in the prayers. I did that this week with some of you. Okay, that one I was telling you about from the other week, Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Okay, I pray 
that Lisa Jones would grow in the knowledge of God's will through every, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that she may live a life worthy of the Lord and that she might bear fruit in every way. And you begin to go through. That's praying out God's word. And as you do that, then some of your own prayers come. Okay, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, Paul says, you know what? You don't even know. You can't even begin sometimes to cry out what's in here, but the Holy Spirit does. He takes the deep things of us and he brings them to the deep things of God. And I said this before, a lot of the times in our prayer meetings, they should be messy. Okay? So somebody should be crying because they're overwhelmed as they're praying for somebody and their spirit and the Holy Spirit are pouring those things out. And they might not have words, but with groans and cries, they're praying to God. Now that looks messy when we're together. And sometimes that's going to happen at your life group. Okay? And that's okay. Sometimes people are going to be jumping up and down with joy because they're full of thanksgiving and they've seen God answer prayer and they get excited. Okay? Sometimes it's just going to be silence because we're on our face and we're just waiting upon God. My point being, prayer meeting shouldn't be dull and boring. It should be one of the most exciting places. Okay? It might not start out exciting, but it gets exciting. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus didn't leave us as orphans. He, know, he knew we couldn't do it on his own. We would be like the disciples all the time. Jesus was praying. He's coming, guys, I need you to pray. <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit. Okay, That's the bottom line. And he's provided. Okay, And as Terry Virgo says, you've got to plan to pray. So it might seem systematic. It might seem dogmatic. Every Sunday night, yeah, we're going to go to tag. And we're going to pray. If we didn't do it, we wouldn't do it. If we didn't plan... Sometimes we wouldn't do things. And so we've got to plan to pray. You've got to put, put it in your schedule just like you would anything else. Okay, I'm going to get up early because I'm going to work out. I'm planning to do it. Well, we've got to plan to pray. It's the same thing. We plan a date night to go out. My wife, we're going to plan this time to pray. That's what we have to do. And then the Holy Spirit helps us in that. Okay? Quick review. You've got to ask yourself, in our church life, and we're always being, you know, we've got to take a look at our own lives. Are we doing these things? Are we devoted to the Word of God? Is it central? Is it our standard? Are we bringing everything into the Word of God? Are we believing that God speaks to us through His Word? Okay. Are we devoted to community and to fellowship? Is God changing our heart, which changes everything? And we have the wineskin to facilitate that. Are we devoted to prayer? in our personal life, in our family, in our small groups, here, corporately. And folks, can I just say again, prayer me, I know we got the sandwich run every second week, so some of you can't be at prayer because you're on the sandwich run. Hallelujah. Okay? Some of you I know, it's, Angela, we got kids and babysitters and all that thing. Okay? I know it's hard to get there. And if you're not there, that doesn't mean you don't pray. So there's my disclaimer. You got it? No guilt, condemnation. But if you can get there once in a while let alone every week. Okay? If you're not going at all, can you come out just once a month? There's something that happens when we pray together. In your life groups, how are you doing it? And folks, it's amazing to see answers to prayer. That fuels your prayer. Okay? So some of the things we've been praying for at TAG, and I'll just end with this. Okay? We've been praying. Last week, it was incredible. We've been praying for the church, the, uh, a new church plant in Turkey, and John Lennon's brother Dave and his wife Anna are there. And it's amazing. We've been praying on Sunday nights. We prayed for, and then John shared an update last week. They had their first Christian. And I mean, an incredible 
story. I mean, we're all there just going like, wow. And to think we played a small part in that by our prayers over here, okay? That was exciting. We've been praying for Prince Edward Island, okay? Adam and Kim went, and we've been praying. And a lot of times it's hard. Like you're praying, God, I don't know what it looks like, but we just believe you want something in Prince Edward Island. Somehow we're supposed to be together. So my best prayer is just to say, help us, show us the way. We don't understand, but you can do it. You know, you're just like, and God's bringing things together. We've got a family moving here this summer with plans on going to PEI. The same night, I mean, it's amazing with Jeff and Allison. They weren't even here when we announced it two weeks ago because they were in PEI accepting a job in Charlottetown. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. It comes through prayer. Okay, We've been praying for an opening with our friends on Dune Street. We've been years trying to think, and we've put specific prayer into it this fall, and all these things have opened up. We're just like, that's prayer. Okay, When you begin to hear answers, we're praying for Brent. We didn't even know it was Brent. Right among us, we're like, God, we need someone else to help us pastorally. We need someone else to help with kids' church. We need someone else to help us with all these things. And we're praying. We don't know who it is. And boom, the last couple of months, we reveal, Brent, okay, he's going to start next month. Hallelujah. Okay. That's an answer to prayer. That's exciting. And that's my point this morning. The Word of God, community life, prayer. Sometimes it's duty to get started with, but then with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's life, and we get to be a part of it. Okay, our time's gone. Let's stand. Let me just finish with a prayer for us. Then we can go get our kids and grab a cup of coffee. Would you join with me? Let's just ask for God's help to be devoted to his word, to be devoted to the fellowship, and to be devoted to prayer. Would you join with me? Okay, let's have willing hearts. So, Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. God, we do thank you. Your love for us, God, as we just, again, were reminded of, that's the heart of everything, your relationship with us in worship. God, we thank you for that, Lord, that really set the table. God, to understand, Lord, we want to be today devoted to your word. God, we know it reveals who you are and your purposes and your plans for your glory. God, we want to say that personally in our families, Lord, every aspect of our church life, Lord. We want to be devoted to your word that's alive and active. God, we want to be devoted to the fellowship, Lord. We want to be devoted to a community of believers that we can grow together, we can use our gifts, that we can shape each other's character. God, that we can work through things together. And God, we want to be devoted to prayer. God, we just admit, Lord, we fall short so many times in all these things. God, we need your help. Lord, would you give us a willing heart, God, to really cry out to you and to seek you on a regular basis, on our own, in our small groups, together. Lord, may you hear us, Lord. As we come, Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, we continue to see you at work, knowing that you're going to answer in your way, in your time, for your glory and our good. Lord, help us with these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.